Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Okay, very happy indeed to be welcoming musician, producer and DJ Mauro Levy. How are you, Mauro? How's it going? Where are you speaking to us from today? You're in Israel, right? Yes, sir. Everything's good. Really yes, nice perfect. day here today. Yeah. Where, whereabouts in Israel are you based? So I live in the southern district in a city called Ashkelon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small city. It's pretty cool. I was born and raised here. Uh, yeah. That's where all the magic happens. Yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, just for those who might not have yet come across you and your music yet, could you just let us know a bit about yourself, how you got into music and how it became your career and I guess what drew you to trance music in particular would be so cool funnily, to hear about that. Funnily enough, I was I was never I never had a plan to be a musician. It just kind of happened. I mean, mm. I wanted to do uh, I used to do animation like, you know, draw comics and cartoons. And always uh, dreamt of having my own cartoon someday and do like animation. And then uh, when I was around the age of 12, one of my friends introduced me to DJ Tiesto uh, back then. And I was really hooked on that music because back in the day, you know, trance music for a 12 year old was just a music that is for adults and we're not allowed to hear it because it's very, you know, it's electronic and it's for nightlife and parties and you're only 12. So mm. it was kind of frowned upon, but... I was listening to it and I fell in love and I got curious on how how they're making this music. How how are they doing it? So I started to get into production at the same time. And uh, by the age of 15, I already got signed to actually a UK label under uh, a label called Who Tunes. And the sub label was uh, Lost Language. That was the first label I've ever, ever signed to by the age of 15. You know, I just sent the CD um via post hoping that they will check my demos and actually listen to it and I, I i remember i made that first track on on headphones it was like terrible i had a really you know i had no musical equipment no nothing everything was in the box but uh you know i thought it sounded good and i just sent it i was like okay let, let's try they're probably not gonna check it and two months later i got a i got a contract on uh you know they sent me a contract with a big envelope and uh that's how i started my way i mean that's the short story but the long one is just had a lot of small details that uh they don't really matter at this point oh it's really interesting could you tell us a bit about that this kind of music scene in israel and i guess the middle east i guess people might see these places as slightly more kind of traditional and you might not imagine people going to these cool DJ parties. I mean, personally, my own experiences I've seen, I think, is it Boiler Room sometimes do stuff out there? And you, it might even just be a DJ throwing a bit of a party in the street and I've seen Boiler Room. Yeah, I mean, there is... it, it looks amazing. But um, yeah, I guess some people might be surprised, especially with trance. It has this kind of um, slightly European flavor to it, perhaps you might say, but, um, especially, you know, yeah, the Netherlands yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it used to be like that back in the 90s, but the most, I think the most dominant music, if we speak trance and electronic music, was always a house music and, and psytrance. Mm-hmm. Psychedelic trance, a lot of the, the, the biggest artists in the world are actually Israeli. So wow. it was very, very interesting uh, to see how, how it uh, develops. And, um, and yeah, it's still really, it's really, really dominant here. But back in the 90s, yes, it was a lot of trance. You know, Tiesto uh, made his debut here. And I think it's one of the his very most iconic gigs here because that's what really opened uh, a lot of markets for him. 
So it was, yeah, you know, we used to have Paul Oakenfold, Paul Van Dyke, all, all the, you know, all the, the old school DJs used to come here back in the 90s. Mm. And I think over time, you know, obviously music got more modern and now you have techno, you have progressive. Um, but I would say the trance scene here used to be really, really big. And it's still big now, but again, it's mostly under the psychedelic trance umbrella. Uh, in my opinion, because I personally, I I sadly don't DJ here because I just simply don't get booked because my style is more like, you know, what you said, more like European uh, North America uh, flavor. So sorry, did you say, is it Psytrance that seems to catch on yeah, the most? Psytrance, well? right. Yeah, Goatrance, Psytrance, they always used to be the most, you know, dominant uh, genre here when it comes to electronic music. Because a lot of the yeah. most of the producers and DJs are Israeli, you know, mm-hmm. like Infected Mushroom, Asterix, you know, all those really old school names that kind of started this wave here. So why do you think Psytrance and those kind of sounds catch on the most in Israel? And why would you why do you think in Israel maybe people are a bit more resistant to the more classic? I well, think I it's, because... it's accurate to call it the classic trance sound. But when I think of trance, I when I hear your music, I think, wow, that's the classic trance kind of sound for me yeah Yeah, so this i I think what you're referring to is what we call what we used to call club trance or melodic trance Mm. while side trance is more you know it's psychedelic that's that's what it is a lot of psychedelic sounds it has the same template but i think it's just been it's just been so it's it's just been here in israel for so long that uh people you know just kind of got used to it in a way you know uh, it's kind of like hip-hop in the u.s it's it's very normal um Mm. And I think what made this music so special here is a lot of illegal raves and a big drug scene. But I think, again, this is part of the music and and what it what it presented at the time. Obviously, today it's a lot more it's it's, it's in the main stage now. There's a lot more recognition to that uh, style. It's it's less underground than what it used to be. But you always remember that style in the 90s, at least here as a, a style that, you know, used to bring a lot of illegal raves um in the middle of nowhere after it yeah. so i think that's what made it really unique because people just let loose and you know be free do drugs drink in the middle of nowhere uh, there's you know there's no security there's no tickets everyone's just coming and dancing that's what it was yeah it's just fascinating because i mean it might be stereotyping but i guess a lot of people would see israel as this very religious place and they might be surprised to hear there's these kind of <laughs> crazy illegal kind of warehouse rave yeah, is I mean, that maybe know, is that maybe a reaction against that kind of you know religious dogma and stuff well dogma is too strong a word but, um, israel israel always been a free country i mean you have all religions here all cultures um obviously there is the religious side but that's i think that's in every country but yeah, it was course, never course. it was never it was never something that you know people people kind of uh you know really based it on religion and like oh it's very religious so we're not going to party I, it was never like that like the religion was not a part that really mattered here in especially in, in you know the party scene and nightlife mm-hmm. scene i think actually back in the day there was even more parties than there are now you know there's a mm-hmm. lot of raves a lot of big raves and yeah religion was never a factor here no of course wonderful um and yeah, it seems to me the hugely respected dance label and Unibeats, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That Anjuna feels Beats, like, yeah. Anjuna Beats. Does that, that feel like they've played quite a cool and important role in your career from what I can see? Is that accurate, would you say? 
Yeah, yeah, they're based in the UK. Uh, I got signed to them uh, shortly after Lost Language, and uh, I've been with them ever since. Um, above and beyond, they've been big supporters uh, with my music since day one. You know, they played my stuff even when it sounded terrible, but they believed they believed in me, and you know, I kind of find found a home. And uh, I'm still there, you know, and the label got a lot bigger. Um, it's a lot more advanced than what it used to be. So there's a lot of room for uh, creativity. And yeah, it's, 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 it's good times. You know, it's, it's good times for a trans artist to be in one place and actually that he has the freedom to release whatever he feels like and believes in, which is really tough these days, if you ask me. No, of course. Um, sort of a two-part question. How, how do you feel the genre of trance is today 2021 going into 2022 do you feel it's in a as exciting a place as ever especially because i was going to ask how you found the whole pandemic and because it's it just feels like one of those genres where it's so integral to be feeding off the energy of a live audience you know you're dropping a track and you want to see the reaction to it and stuff and it must be when it's more just you in the studio that must be a very different energy a very different vibe has that been tough for you or has it taken you to a different place creative creatively or yeah i think i think it did a lot of people because you know yeah i I make dance music but no one can dance to it so obviously i experiment (laughs) more stuff but i figured if i'm stuck at home and i can't tour and i can't travel i'll probably do something that i'm not used to do and maybe teach myself new things so you know i signed up to actually an online class that teaches you more stuff about production, including sound design, stuff that I always wanted to do, but never had the time. Mm -hmm. So in a way for me, this pandemic, I thought it's going to be like really bad for me financially and everything, but I somehow managed. And at the same time, I also learned a lot of things. I I feel like it actually did more good than bad. Um, Regarding dance music and making, you know, bangers for the club. Yeah, I I agree 100%. But one thing about trance is the only genre that never really was, uh, you know, it was never gone. It was always up and down, but it was always in the charts. No matter, you know, what, what kind of times humanity is going through, trance was always in the charts. That's what makes it so interesting because I think it's like a never ending genre there's so many like there's so many sub genres around it so many ways of, of of making it sound still trance i mean for example i take my own stuff my own stuff is very like um drum and bass bass music influenced but yet still mm. trance at the same time so i feel like trance can go into a million places and that's why it still stays relevant because um you know it people keep the template of trance still there because it's still supposed to be trance but you know, with the technology and everything today, I feel like trance just goes to so many places and speaks to different audiences that I think that's one of the reasons why it's still up there in the charts. And yeah, that's, that's what I feel, you know, that's what I've seen. Mm. I mean, did it cross your mind, like releasing these big hard dance tracks? We ever like, this is a strange thing to be doing. Because personally, I was actually drawn to dance music a few times during the lockdowns, it, even though it's not the same experience as hearing it live or in a club or whatever you still get that incredible escapism listening to big dance tracks. And I actually found some huge solace in some dance music during the lockdowns. But yeah, did it cross your mind? Like, is this weird that I'm putting out <laughs> this music where yeah, they'll just, I mean, be, just be in their rooms with their headphones on and maybe going crazy on their own? But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was, it was was kind of unfortunate to, you know, I mean, I love making dance records, like more, mostly dancey stuff, less than the progressive and, you know, listen at home kind of stuff. But 
you know what? I I, I don't know why, but I, I still kept making it because I just I just I'm, I just enjoy it. So in a way, what I was, you know, me being really optimistic is that I thought, that, okay, I'm going to make all those records, and once the pandemic, you know, calms down and and travel is open again, then I can go and play those records. You know, like I'm gonna, in a way, I can start I can start a new tour with tons of new music to play. So in a way, it's a blessing. You know, like this music doesn't go, you know, into the trash. But I understand what you're saying. It was definitely weird making dance music knowing. You can't play it anytime soon. No, of course, and that it didn't stop you releasing music at all, did it? From what I can tell, you just no, went full didn't. tilt releasing music. Can you? Yeah, can you just tell us about the singles you've been dropping over the last year or so, and the kind of like the flavor of the music you've been putting out? Yeah, you know, yeah. if you listen to my recent stuff during the pandemic, it was mostly dance music. Everything was like bangers. I mean, I released an EP just recently on Injuna Beats that uh, you know giving it's an EP, then you have a lot more freedom to do different things. So I did, you know, most of the tracks on that EP are bangers, but you have like, uh, I think like one or two tracks that are more like on the progressive, um, more chill kind of vibe. But I think, I think, you know, for me as a dance music DJ and producer, I'm still going to make dance music regardless. I think it's because I mostly enjoy it. I do it for my, for my soul, especially during the pandemic, you know, I was going crazy and I figured, if I'm not going to make the music that I like just because people can't dance or anything, I'm going to lose my mind as well. So <laughs> I figured I'm just going to yeah. do my thing and, you know, hope that people will still listen to it, even though everyone's stuck at home. Because I also feel like if you talk about this kind of music as just being for a club or festivals, or whatever, you're doing it a bit of a disservice, aren't you? It's a bit of a very face value way of describing dance music. It's a lot deeper than just this thing where you go with your friends and go crazy. Yeah. Club. It's just music at the end of the day, isn't it? And exactly. would you agree with that? Still musical. Still musical. Absolutely. Um, can I just ask about some of your song titles? I'm really drawn to them. They have these really cool like existential vibes track names like Will We Remain and uh, Am I Dreaming and Moonchild and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd love to know. Um, tell us about the process of naming your songs and how they kind of describe the actual music as well, I guess. That'd be amazing. Well, the, I think I'm a big, big uh, space guy. Like, I love space. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it always been interesting to me, you know, like just the whole thing that is space and what is beyond this planet. So I think most of my titles and my sound is kind of like very, I don't know, I wouldn't say spacious. It's not the right word, but very galactic sounding melodies or, you know, sounds. Um, so I think that's why I named most of my, you know, my singles like that but for example will remain uh was actually named because of the vocalist and what she wrote you know we me and elon bluestone uh the guy that i was collaborating with on we sent it to a vocalist and she came up with those lyrics and we just named it you know in respect to what she wrote so sometimes it's it's not really me deciding the title it's mostly like what I, what i have to work with um in this case vocal tracks Usually, um, you know, we respect the vocalist and uh, whatever she or he uh, came up with, you know, lyrically, and we name it accordingly because I think with vocal tracks, you really want to you want to make sure that people know what they're listening to and what to expect from the title. Um, I do have one track that I actually named named uh, Doors, which has nothing to do with the word doors in, in any of the lyrics, but in a way it connects to the meaning of doors and, you know, doors closing and opening. And I guess it's more like uh, philosophical in a way. Yeah, it felt, yeah, I guess um, 
trance has this kind of cosmic scope, doesn't it? The way very cosmic. It's, it's yeah. built around sections and this huge build, and then this massive explosion, and often in the sort of midpoint of the track, and then um, then it kind of down. develops and develops. And um, yeah, do you agree? There's this kind of natural link between, as you're saying, space and the cosmos and everything, and just the nature of trance music feels really natural, especially when you talk about it the way you talk about it. Yeah, I feel I feel like I feel like just the sounds being used, you know, all the electronic sounds from arpeggios to pads and all the stuff, they're very spacey, airy, like you know, big reverby sounds that just kind of makes you feel like you're in some kind of a cloud, you know, or I don't know, just floating in the galaxy. That's what I feel at least when I make it. Yeah. God, I'm drawing a blank here. There's a Dutch DJ I've interviewed who he did this like concept album. Uh, it was still trance music, but it also had this kind of narrative and it's based in space. I don't know if you have any idea what I'm talking about. I'll have to... No, I didn't. Um, if it comes back to me, I'll <laughs> mention it because it's super reminding me of that. Um, but yeah, you, so you, can you just tell us about you've been back touring recently. How's that been? That must you know be quite, quite a euphoric feeling, to say the least. Before. It's crazy. It just kind of feels like, you know, COVID never happened. Um, yeah. even though actually I, I actually went the first time I went back, which was, uh, back in, uh, September, I actually was diagnosed with COVID, um, right at the end of my tour. Uh, mm-hmm. actually I was supposed to play a show in London coming from the U S and when I took the test landing, I, I was actually diagnosed with COVID. So I couldn't play the show and I had to self-isolate, um, so, but I, you know, I knew, I knew the first thing's going to happen is once I go back touring, I'm going to obviously risking myself in getting it and I have a higher chance of getting it. So, but you know, I think, I think what kind of kept me grounded is, is try not to panic and just, you know, and obviously vaccination and all that stuff, but um, it feels surreal. It feels crazy to be in a club with, you know, with tons of people and even, even just played a festival for 20,000 people. It's it's just crazy, you know. It, it kind of you kind of in a in a in a state of mind that the pandemic never happened, just for like you know, just for like one hour. Amazing, so it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Um, it was Ferry Corsten, by the way. I was talking about here. Uh... Oh, Ferry. Okay. Yeah. 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 He has this. Uh, it's, it's an album where there's an actor from House of Cards actually does the kind of voiceover narrative part of it, and it's all set in space. And definitely recommend checking yeah. that out if you're into <laughs> into space. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, huge subject change. There. Do you how? Yeah, where did you go on tour, and yeah, how were the audiences? And was part of you nervous at all? Like, God, is this going to be different was, somehow, or was it going to be strange? Or I was definitely nervous. Mostly, you know what? I wasn't nervous in playing in front of crowds because I've been doing this for so long. But it's mostly mm. playing new music that really made me nervous because you know I've been locked away for so long, and I have so much new music that people don't know and never heard. So. You know, you don't know what's going to be the energy. You know, you don't know how the crowd is going to react to it. So it's very, um, it's very nerve wracking. Definitely nerve wracking playing new records for me. Um, but uh, most of my uh, most of my fan base is uh, North America. You know, US and Canada. Okay. Cool. Uh, Europe, sadly, I didn't get too many shows over the years. But uh, hopefully, you know, 2022 is looking promising on that. And I know that Europe has been. Yeah, been getting it really difficult with COVID and a lot of restrictions. So it's been more difficult for uh, small DJs, um, you know, not big names um, to actually go out there and perform. And I remember I, I used to, uh, I got booked a few shows back in 2020 and then they obviously all got canceled. And I don't think they got rescheduled because of, you know, I assume budget and other, other stuff that uh, not under my control, but 
yeah, mostly North America. I'm going to go back there again in uh, in January for like uh, six six shows. Mm. So it's nice. It's nice to be back on, you know, on the road again and actually play a bunch of shows and not just like one show because everything is, uh, you know, every country has different rules. And yeah, of course, it's, it's great. Yeah. Did you get to do any festivals over the summer or is that still tricky? Because I, no. I went to one festival in the UK, but it was like all UK acts. There was no, no one coming yeah. abroad. So yeah. I guess you couldn't actually get out at that time. No, anyway. the only... The only recent festival I did was uh, Dream State in uh, California, which was mm -hmm. for like 20, 25,000 people. Oh, was that quite recent? Because I guess in California, you can have the festivals slightly later because the weather's so good, right? But, um, yeah. Yeah. How it was, was that? recent. And, uh, it, it was great because we were premiering a new project. It was me and uh, Elon Bluestone and Emma Ewich is a really big trans vocalist. And mm. we're, we're going by the name of Elysian. And it was oh, more cool. like a live show, less than a DJ set. So, you know, Emma is on the microphone and it's all just us playing uh, our new material under this project, which one of them is Moonchild that you probably heard. Mm. That was our first uh, track. And uh, yeah, you know, we've been planning this show for since 2020. The, the project formed in 2020, but obviously because of the pandemic, all our plans got delayed and uh, modified. So we finally... Finally, after this whole year and a half, we finally get to premiere this project. And uh, it's been great, especially in this kind of big, big festival. Yeah, I mean, can you describe for us the kind of Mao or Levy live show? Like, can you just, I'm, I'm sure it's hard to put into words, but yeah, what, what, what people expect from it kind of thing? Well, you know, when people come to my shows, they, they come to see me. So I usually just play my own records. I play mm -hmm. only original records. I don't play anyone else's records um, unless it's a it's a my remix for someone else. But that's about it. So because I have so much new music, but usually, you know, it's, it's just a DJ set and uh, we're just tons of new music, a lot of uh, bootlegs, mashups sometimes and and remixes. And, and yeah, sometimes unreleased stuff as well. Yeah, I appreciate that because I've sometimes seen DJs and they'll play a lot of other, I remember seeing one guy who just kept playing Avicii. He was like, well, Avicii's great, but why don't you just do <laughs> focus more on your own stuff kind of thing? And it seems like a peculiar thing. It's, I guess it's part of the art of DJing, isn't it? To try and keep the audience as happy as possible. But, um, yeah, yeah I mean, it's cool to know, hear that you focus on your own music. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, if you're going to go to a Guns N' Roses show, they're probably going to play only Guns N' Roses songs, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. So I, I treat it the same way. I think, I think it's a concert to everything, even though it's a club gig, but it's still, you know, people come to see you, you carry your, your torch, your own name. So you're going to play your own original stuff. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you're playing other, other people's stuff is bad. It's definitely, I did that a few times when I played long sets, but I, me personally, because I have so much new music and I'm I'm so like interested to see how people are going to react to it, I'm obviously going to play it the moment I have a chance to do that. So no, of course. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess I was slightly surprised here. You've got a more American rather than a yeah, European yeah. fan base. I mean, yeah. Why do you think that is? And because um, I'm imagining, would I be right in saying trance maybe caught on in America during the whole EDM explosion? Exactly. The 2010s onwards, I'm, wouldn't, I can't imagine it was too, maybe there was a niche following, but I can't imagine there was a huge subset of trance fans in the States and Canada, et cetera. Is that, do you think, is that a more recent thing? And is that something you're enjoying? Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. I think is, it, is it like really way more American fans than European fans for you? Or? 
I think I'll tell you, I don't think it's more, I don't think it's a competition. I feel like it's oh, always been in Europe, but um, I feel like the European crowd have, is very tough and it's not very, um, I wouldn't say welcoming. It's not the right word, but I'll say mm. they're very, very, you know, like they know their, their music so well that sometimes, you know, they're not just going to book any trance act. They're going to, going to keep it really authentic in America there. I think there's a lot more uh, freedom in that, um, in that aspect. Um, but yes, definitely when the EDM, the whole EDM thing exploded back in 2013, uh, 13 was it? Yeah. 2013, time, yeah, yeah. 2012, you know, all the Swedish house mafia, Vichy kind of sound. And, you know, a lot of it was, was based on, you know, again, a, a bit of trance. Um, trance is like kind of like the core of all that melodic stuff that uh, mm, exploded back then. But I feel like also at the same time, when, when that style started, I feel like trance also became a bit more mainstream and more uh, radio. Um, but it's definitely because of the EDM wave, for sure. There's a lot of festivals with different stages, different styles. And there's a lot of people that just kind of welcome those changes. So I think that's one of the, the big reasons is that people there accept changes and they're actually interested in new things, not just the same old uh, you know, style. Yeah, so interesting, I guess, because the whole American EDM thing, the whole concept of the drop was such a huge part of that music. And trance has always been one of the main genres, right? Having these yeah. huge euphoric moments. So I guess trance has, has to take massive credit <laughs> for all that, doesn't it? Yeah, trance is definitely one of the, you know, I mean, I, I would say house music would be the core of everything. But yeah. um, trance also has a lot of, it has a big foundation in a lot of genres today. For example, you know, the, the, the new techno or progressive, you know, kind of like Art Bat and all the all the afterlife, you know, Tale of Us, all those guys. I mean, if you listen carefully, this is pretty much, it's trance just on a slower BPM, that's all. No, absolutely. Um, and Mauro, I'd love to ask you, you're a big user of Waves, right? I'd love to ask about how they've played a role in your career and when you first started using them, that kind of thing. Wow, Waves. So uh, Waves, obviously, it's an Israeli company. So I've always been uh, very supportive of their uh, their products. Mm. And um, when I was when I was just starting, uh, I mean, Waves has been in the game for like decades right now. And I think when I started like becoming more professional in music, when I was like sixteen, I discovered their plugins, and obviously, I had the pirated version. Uh, but they will they will excuse me because I was in school and I barely had any money to to do anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been I've been really familiar with their plugins uh, for so long because that was one of the very first uh, bundles that I actually installed on my computer. Because I figured, oh, okay, those plugins they look pro, they sound pro, so I'm just going to use them because they look cool and they sound good. You know, they do what I want. And um, you know, I don't I, I think ever since they were just inse- inseparable with my projects. I mean, you know, all the updates and all the the new plugins that they're adding. It's it was hard for someone that you know is very familiar with those plugins to to not wanting to uh, update every year, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. now finally uh, a year and a half ago we finally started working together. I was trying to actually reach those guys for a long time um, to actually do some endorsements with them, and uh, it finally happened, you know. And I'm I'm very happy to uh, donate my part in 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 the makings of their plugins and. Just to you know, show people that you know I've been there and and I know how to use them, and uh, I can give you guys some presets or some tips. So why not? You know, if I can do that, why not? But 
Yeah, yeah, I've been a web user for a long time. There was, I think, that was the first company that actually introduced me to professional plugins. Um, I was using mostly native stuff, you know, in 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 FL Studio, but mm. that was my first VST plugins, like my very first, you know, third party plugins. Yeah, that leads me to my next question. Do you, I'm assuming you've tried lots of other plugins as well. How do you find Waves compared to other? I think Waves. I think I think Waves just has its own signature. If I mm. if I you know I think if it's the right if it's the right way to say it, but I feel like they they I feel like every company these days they offer you know kind of like the same plugins, but every plugin has its own character. Every obviously everything is based on hardware and and modeled after analog stuff. But I feel like a lot of stuff from Waves uh, specifically was very, very, um, was very, very pleasing to my ears. Uh, you know, like I love their SSL emulations. I think they're really, really good. Um, obviously, their um, H delay and reverb plugins. I think I think it's just very, very. I think Waves are very unique with their plugins versus other companies. Obviously, other companies are also unique in their own uh, their own bundles and packages. So I don't know. I feel like it's just a matter of taste. You know, it's it's pretty much what you're looking for in your mix. And obviously, if you know the tools and you know what they're doing, I think it's a lot easier to decide what do you want to use. No, amazing. So yeah, what what would you say your like go to plugins from Waves? And it'd be amazing to hear some like really cool examples of, say, on a recent single, how you got such an amazing result using a Waves plugin, for example. Um, I. I, again, I, I I love using their um, H delay. H delay yeah. is probably my most used plugins um, when it comes to uh, vocals and synths. And also H reverb uh, was also very useful. And I really loved. Um, I was actually recently they just released the uh, new SSL EV two channel, and that thing was very very uh, used in my recent projects. Um, I had the, the, the chance to test it before it was public, and it was. It just it saved a lot of it saved a lot of headache for me, but um, I would say you know I'm using all their multiband compressors, you know the C4, the C6, um, they've been very very useful. Sometimes Flanger, a lot of the uh, Abbey Road stuff as well. Yeah, you know it's just, it's just I'm trying to use uh, I'm not trying to use like too many plugins because sometimes you can get lost in it, but. They're definitely they definitely have a big part in my projects, and uh, I'm, I'm basically very old school, so I'm using a lot of the plugins that always been there, and uh, yeah. I think they just they still do the trick for me, you know. They, 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 if they if it works, it works. If it sounds good, I'm going to use it. Sometimes I don't really pay attention to uh, what I'm using. I'm just trying new things, and if it sounds good, it sounds good. I'm going to keep it. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned H on vocals, for example, and I guess for you, drums and synths are so key, like. How would you go about using waves with um, those kind of instruments as well, for example? With like you, you're talking about synths, synths or and, like, and drums as well, that kind of thing. Synths, I like to use um, all the Maserati stuff. The Maserati stuff, it's it's just for me, it's a really nice way to color the sound, and then you know, and then add some EQ with the um, SSL uh, channel or the SSL EV2, the new one, which I think sounds even better than the SSL channel. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Maserati stuff and uh, in combination with the C6 for uh, kind of like taming harsh frequencies is a very very good combo. Um, I love the Maserati uh, GTI on bass lines as well. If you want to color something and saturate it, mm. I feel like it has a unique flavor. Um, but yeah, I think most of my also my most used stuff with waves is their compressors. I feel like they're they just have this 
really nice tone and and really really good in in taming a lot of harsh frequencies and all that stuff so amazing yeah. and also are there any like underrated plugins from waves that you feel like people should use more that don't get used as often as some of the famous ones like HTLA? For example, I think all the uh, yeah I think all the I think like uh, plugins like uh, all the Renaissance uh, bundle, like RBase and RVox. Like for example, I'm going to use the RVox, you know, using the gate feature only because I like the gate that it has there. It's super simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to use the L1 and the L2. Those are old school limiters, but yeah, I don't know. They have they have their own sound. I don't think they sound like any other limiter out there, and I feel like they're kind of been forgotten by a lot of users because of all the all the newer stuff, but um, yeah, th- there's so much. I, I feel like also Submarine is a great, great plugin. Kind of, kind of really, really helps if you know if you have uh, troubles with your low end. Obviously, you have to be very careful with that plugin because it can get crazy, crazy, crazy low end. But I feel like again, <laughs> it's one of those plugins that are not getting enough credit, and I feel like people are sometimes lazy. They're not trying to. People just sometimes don't like to delve into plugins that much. They're like they're probably going to use some presets. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm a curious cat. I like to do that, and uh, I found out that there's a lot more than what the uh, you know the demo video will show you. No, absolutely. Oh, and just for the big like synth nerds like myself out there, I'd love to know how you're achieving your sound. Is it is it like digital synths in the box you're mainly using, or do you have um? I mean, physical synths I used to well? have. Yeah, I used to have synthesizers. I used to have the Virus TI and the Korg, Micro Korg. And I sold most of them because, again, technology got so advanced um, that, you know, I figured I don't even need them because that VST sounds way better than my uh, Virus TI. Um, mm. And also, I think it's also less of a hassle of recording analog stuff and, you know, or USB audio and latency and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The only synth I own, which I, again, I personally feel like no plugin can still match, is uh, I, I own a subsequent 37 by Moog. Cool. I think, I think that's the only synth I use to uh, mostly for low end and then like, you know, like mid range bass lines. Yeah. Yeah. I feel no company. Bass, isn't it? With digital sometimes. Yeah, no company got close to that sound, even though people claim that they did it. It's like, oh, it sounds almost close, like you know, like a Moog sound, but I don't know. It's something in the end and the and the boards and, and the analog stuff and the circuits and that Moog that just make it sound like a Moog, you know, from the filter to everything. Yeah. Oh, so which digital zimps are you using? So I'm literally taking notes as you say all this stuff. <laughs> so uh I'm I'm actually using uh, I'm using Flow Motion by Waves uh, for some FM synths. Um, oh, cool. Using a lot of native instrument stuff, you know, from FM8 to Massive and Massive X. Um, obviously, Serum Expert Serum. Um, I use a lot of the Yuhi stuff. Zebra Two is one of my favorite synths, um, and the Zebra Two Hand Zimmer edition as well. It's very very magical. Um, wow. What else? I use uh, I use Omnisphere. I use, um, what else do I use? Well, I have so many, but obviously I don't yeah. use most of them. I use Hive by uh, Yuhi, also a great synth. Mm-hmm. Diva as well. And uh, the majority of my stuff, you you know, it's funny. Majority of my synths, well, I would say lead sounds and synths and pads are mostly VSTs. Most of my bass sounds are kind of like uh, resampled uh bass lines that i recorded in the past or just mm. kind of bounced out um it's a lot of a lot of it is sample based because i feel like it just sounds more organic to me and less digital than a synth 
Yeah. Um, but there's so many more plugins. I mean, I'm using a plugin called Viper by Adam Sabo, which is basically, uh, I think, the, probably the best virus TI emulation I've ever heard in my life. Um, sadly, it's PC only, but it's a great plugin, especially for trans producers. Mm. Um, yeah, Silent, Silent One by Leonard G- Digital, also mm-hmm. a great plugin. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. I feel like it's mostly. I think, I think Serum is probably my most over, or used one because I just like the how you can approach and make stuff so easily. Yeah. Um, oh, and I also I'm using uh, another. I would say another serum, but it's not really serum. It's called Vital, and it's yeah. like uh, I would say it's like serum on steroids. <laughs> cool, but it's it's great. You know, it's a free scent. Obviously, you can get the uh, pro version if you pay like I don't know eighty dollars or something. But even the free version offers a lot of stuff, and yeah, I think it's I like the interface. It's very smooth. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, um, Amaros. I mean, as we're speaking, we're kind of gradually going into twenty twenty two now. So. Um... How's the next few months looking for you? More next year, even? Yeah. What, what have you got coming up? Well, I have uh, I have another uh, EP that I'm working on right now, and then after that EP, I'm planning to uh, make an album finally, mm. and then um, and then we have I have another Elysian EP in the makings as well. We we debuted some of the tracks in the recent festival we played in Dream State, and yeah. uh, 2022. Probably more shows, you know. That's that's what I'm hoping for, and hoping that the world will heal and everything will be back in balance again. And yeah, you know, and a lot of new music, of course. That's probably the 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 main thing for me. Amazing. Does the Alicia music come up on your solo like Spotify page, for example, or do people? Uh, no, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it does. It does actually. Yeah, yeah, it cool. Does. Should be there in the in the singles and albums yeah. section. And finally, while the red carpet's still out, I'd just love to know, like, which song would you send people to for, like, the perfect intro to the music of Mao or Levy? Where would you tell people to go? Uh, one of my own tracks, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for, I think for if people want to get familiar with my current sound, it would be uh, my track called uh, Save the Last Trance. Mm. I feel like that's the perfect uh, the perfect intro track to uh, to know what you're getting into if you're listening to my music. Yeah, yeah. at the same time, I don't really have a signature sound. I'm full of surprises, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's just kind of around that, I would say in quotes, vibe. Yeah, amazing. Oh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Mara. It's been great to talk to you. And Thank you so, so much, much about, Thank you about all the me. industry and trance and everything as well. So yeah, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, man. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.